0: Today's guest is Jeff Johnson from the UK. Jeff worked in various veterinary practices in the seven years after qualifying as a vet from Cambridge University in 1987. He then became the owner of a four-vet mixed practice on the edge of Exmoor, which he ran for 11 years and would have described himself as a rugby-playing cow vet. (laughs) When his hay fever was cured overnight by homeopathy, he began his homeopathic studies in 1995, qualifying as a veterinary homeopath in 1999 with a homeopathic physician's teaching group. The owners started asking for treatment upon seeing their animals getting better, so Jeff achieved the RS HOM in 2001, making him the only person qualified in veterinary and human homeopathy at that time. In 2004, he completed the Dynamis course with Jeremy Sher. He now owns a busy homeopathy-only practice in Wiveliscombe, West Somerset. Jeff is a sought-after homeopathy teacher and lectures widely nationally and internationally. He teaches the vets in Bristol and wrote the curriculum and set up the Danish Veterinary School with Lisa Hansen. He teaches routinely at three UK homeopathic colleges and has been a visiting lecturer at most of the others. He was one of the founding vets of the Homeopathy at Wally Level School. We've also had them on the podcast, so make sure that you scroll back a few episodes. And uh, the Homeopathy at Wally Level School has now trained over 350 farmers. He started the Animal Energy UK Homeopathic Veterinary Conferences now in their 23rd year and he has helped to organize 10 of these. Jeff really has had an incredible career and continues to do so. It was such a privilege to interview him and I know you're going to enjoy today's episode. Thanks for listening.
1: Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie
0: Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we speak with Dr. Jeff Johnson. Welcome, Jeff.
1: Hi, good to be here. Hello, everybody in Australia.
0: It's lovely to have you on. We have now, actually speaking of Australia, our top listenership at the moment is actually America, with Australia second and the UK third. The UK is not far behind ah. Australia. So we are reaching people ah. everywhere. And I actually checked the stats today. We have one listener in Iran. a few. We've got one in Russia. I saw a few in Pakistan. So we're reaching all the corners of the world.
1: (laughs) That is really cool. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Now, Jeff, you have a passion for treating animals, but how were you first introduced to homeopathy? Tell our listeners a bit about that.
1: Okay. I was a conventional vet and I've been a vet for 35 years. And uh, I was very happy going around just carving cows and dehorning cows and I went to Glastonbury Rock Festival, or what was it, maybe 28 years ago, and I used to suffer from appalling hay fever, the sort that would put me in bed for ages, and hot flushes and tearing my eyes out, and I'd left all my medication at home, and so camping in the middle of a field, it was a nightmare, and somebody said to me, why don't you go up to the healing field, because there's a healing field at Glastonbury, because it's a very sort of hippie place, So I did. And the first tent on the right, as I stumbled into it, was the Travelling Homeopaths Collective, who are a group of homeopaths who go around and give very cheap treatment at places like festivals or down and out shelters. And this lady asked me utterly irrelevant questions as I understood it for 20 (laughs) minutes and then gave me one pill. And I said, but how many do I take a day? She says, no, just take the one. I said, that's ridiculous. And she said, look, you're a vet. I'm the homeopath, you've come to see me, do what you're told. I did. <laughs> I took a pill, which is a thing called Euphrasia, which is Eyebright, is its colloquial name, folk name. And half an hour later, my hay fever had largely gone, and it remained gone for the entire festival. And for me, this was a transformation because hay fever is not a curable disease. It's something you have to keep giving continual suppressive medication to. This was impossible. And so, obviously, I was utterly fascinated. Anyway, a week after the festival, the hay fever came back. So I went to see the lady again, who only lived about 20 miles away, and she did a longer consultation, and she gave me a deeper remedy. She called it a constitutional. I had no idea what that meant then. And it was sulfur, which is for a messy, theorizing, passionate, interested, itchy sort of person, which is what I was. And she said to me, what are you going to do if this works then? And I said, if this works, I'm going to go and study homeopathy. (laughs) So it did. And two weeks later, I started looking for a place. And two months later, I started studying. And that was 28 years ago. And it was the most amazing change in my life. Because homeopathy has a philosophy homeopathy thinks we have a soul or an energy within us. homeopathy thinks that diseases come from stresses and strains. And none of these concepts I was familiar with. And the six years I spent at Cambridge studying to be a vet, not on one occasion was it mentioned that an animal might have an emotion. And the concept that animal's emotion could cause a disease, even a serious disease like cancer, Was not a thought that had crossed any of my teachers or peers' minds in that entire six years, and so this was really amazing for me because the strange thing is, I and all my other vet colleagues had never questioned why would a dog suddenly develop an autoimmune disease like pemphigus or something like that, where the body attacks itself. Like why would the body make such a ridiculous mistake? I never even thought about it. They just did for an unknown reason. And then we thought we cured them by giving them continual steroids or something, which worked quite well, side effects and et cetera. But to suddenly realize that there was a reason why these things happened was, it sounds ridiculous now how ignorant I was, but that was just an astonishing thought. And then the idea that you could somehow make the body work properly again by giving a specific remedy, say what the dog was suffering from grief or humiliation or from Mm. fear, or even from being on the lead too much, could cause a serious disease. And you have these specific remedies. You have remedies for ailments from humiliation something like Staphosagria, ailments from fear, like aconite or opium, ailments from eating too much, like nux mm. vomica. It was a whole new world, and I was mm. utterly entranced. So that's changed my life. So I, I'm i probably much poorer, but much happier <laughs> having had 28 years of exploration, which led to so many other things. I went and studied Buddhism, I uh-huh. increased and went back to my original interest in quantum mechanics because it's strange the more and more advanced science gets. In a way, the closer it gets to the spirituality Mm. and the idea of a soul or an energy. And ultimately, when I was young, I read loads and loads of books and I loved particularly the Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings books, always wanted to be a wizard and do magic. (laughs) And that's what I've been doing for the last yep. 25 years. So yeah, that's a long answer to a quick question.
0: Oh, you're definitely, yeah, we definitely can easily be seen as wizards. I actually had a text from a client just this week with the photos of her psoriasis that's all gone. And she was so skeptical and when she came in, she said to me, oh, this hippie lady from the school sent me. And it actually, funny enough, turned out to be one of my staff members, because as we walked out, she was like, oh, oh that's the hippie lady. <laughs> Send her in. She did not, like you know, those clients that just, you're their last resort, they did not want to be there. And she sent me photos this week. Psorias is all gone. She said, you're a miracle worker. <laughs> but yeah. I have to tell you funny something funny, Jeff, is that Marcus Christo that started the Traveling yeah. homoeopath Collective have actually just been on the podcast. This episode hasn't been released just yet, but had a nice interview with him a couple of weeks ago. And I can't believe it's been, they've been going for that long and how amazing, I think they've been going for 30 years. So you must've been there in the first or second year of him starting this. Travelling Homeopaths Collective. That will be right.
1: Oh, yeah. I owe him and that group a lot. And I just think they're fantastic. Mm.
0: Started several groups by yourself because actually I saw that you're one of the, I think, founding members of homeopathy at Wally Level. And we've had Rachel Walsh on as well. And she spoke about Wally Ah. Level. She had to explain because the Wally Level thing. I didn't get it because, of course, we call it gumboots over here. So when she
1: said, oh, "Oh,
0: gumboot level, I'm like, oh, like grassroots level, I get it. But the Wally Level, I was like, "Ah, I don't get it.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. We've trained about 470 farmers, I think now, something like that, oh. in a pretty good homeopathy and how to use it in their cows. And a lot of them have made big changes. One of the good things about it is that to be a homeopath, you have to be really observant and you have to mm-hmm. really listen and you have to deeply understand what the problem is. And that's a really great thing for any stockman to do, whether they are going to use homeopathy or not. And a lot of them have come back and said, great, using homeopathy, good success there. But also, my eyes have been opened, and I'm so much more aware of, you know, that cow's behaving slightly differently today. It's holding its head in a different position. Or it doesn't want to hang out with the other cows, which it normally would do. And these things, they wouldn't really have paid attention to before. But now they do, because we have some remedies when we don't want company. So you'll have a cow, maybe it's a beef cow and its calf didn't survive, and that causes a great grief, and that cow might then move away from the herd and want to be by herself, and that would be a classic indication for one of our greatest grief remedies, which is nat Muir, which is salt, actually, whereas another cow having lost its calf might then cling to the other cows and not want to leave the group, and that could be a remedy called pulsatilla. So they're both suffering from grief, and yet the thing about homeopathy is you have to see exactly what they do i used to drive my teachers crazy who were teaching me the veterinary homeopathy because they'd say pulsatilla is a remedy for runny eyes and for vaginal discharges and for thickened oily itchy skin and i'd say yeah yeah but what does it do and so what do you mean i say when it comes into your consulting room what does it do and i was really lucky because when i started doing veterinary homeopathy It was quite pathology based Mm -hmm. on the symptom. And I had some wonderful teachers and some wonderful peers. So I was a veterinary homeopath during the period when we really began to understand the constitutions of the animals. The constitution is how they behave, how they move, whether they're confident, whether they aren't confident, Mm -hmm. and lots of physical things as well, are they first, stuff like that. But homeopathy is an energy medicine. And at its most base energy is movement. The simplest form of energy in some ways would be a photon coming from the sun. And that's just a sine wave. It's got a frequency, it's got a wavelength, it's a movement. And in fact, the way someone dances, the way someone holds their head, the way a dog wags its tail (laughs) is telling you the energy within it. And it's that energy within it, that energy body, that soul, that spirit, whatever you want to call it, that's what homeopathy works on, and that's what we have to perceive when we see our patients. And with the humans, we can ask them questions and go deeply inside them and try to understand them. But with the animals, it's more a matter of watching so closely. So a dog comes into the surgery, does it stay near the owner, which palsatilla might do, or another remedy called calc carb, which is an oyster? You can imagine that an oyster. The essence of an oyster is it clings very tightly to a rock. You can hardly dislodge it and it shuts its shell very tightly. And so that dog will sit very close to the owner and it might even sit very close to something like a big chair or a cupboard or something in your room as if it's trying to seek that rock. Whereas the remedy I am, sulfur, if you think about sulfur, maybe think of a volcano, And all that sulfurous smell coming out and the lava shooting out everywhere and the vapors coming out and going all the way around the world. And you spot a sulfur animal or you spot a sulfur child because it comes into your consulting room and it wanders about, looks at everything and it touches everything. And so just and how does it move? Does it slink? Is it a nervous slinking that you might get with, say, one of the snake remedies, one's called lachesis. They would slink around your room, whereas sulphur wanders around your room. Whereas the remedy nux vomica, one of our great dominant dictatorial remedies, very good for overeating, and of course the food they'd like to eat is rich, the sort of stuff that rich, powerful people eat, good wine, good cheese, this sort of thing. It wanders around your room, be it a child or an animal, as if it's in conquered land
0: just the types of things that us homeopaths look at and so yeah. often they come in and they say, Oh, I'm so sorry that my child's like that. Oh, I'm so sorry that my animal's doing this or that, but they don't understand that it actually doesn't matter what they do. Every little bit of that is information that we can use. And yeah. people so often say, Oh, I'm not sure if this is helpful. And usually you know, that's the most helpful stuff, but exactly. it doesn't matter what you say to us, it will be helpful. And I just, sorry, I laugh because when you said about the tail wagging because actually our two dogs asleep on my feet at the moment. And one of them is called Loki. And we always say that there's actually, there's Loki's tail. And then there's Loki. It's like his tail has got a personality of its own and he uh, waxes tail so hard. My daughter is seven uh, and he still wax her over with his tail. <laughs> seriously got a life of its own and we just call him the doofus like he is just the happiest dumbest dog you've ever met in your life and yeah anyway i can talk about animals all day long so.
1: is not loki the is viking the greek... god of yeah i'm oh,
0: sorry yeah yeah the yeah, norse god not the greek god yeah that's no, right so no, no, really no. have to rethink what you call your animals because it was a very bad choice of name because he is very naughty and he has caused us so much trouble so i will never call an animal loki ever again <laughs> is no, that yeah no, the no, lord no, of very, very, mischief no.
1: Mm. There is yeah. there's great power in names. That's one thing I've learned. Things are called things for a reason, especially when you look at the periodic table, when you look at the names that the elements were given, they fit very well with their... In homeopathy, so yep, there's power in names.
0: There is. Oh, I know that you're passionate about the periodic table, so we should definitely do a little bit of that. I just want to hear a little bit more about the animals because there's one of our most favourite topics on the podcast is people using homeopathy for their animals. And like I said to you before we started recording, it just blows people's mind when they find out they can use homeopathy for their animals. And Mm. obviously, next levels when they find out they can use it for their plants, that completely blows their minds. But you were the first homeopathic vets in the UK, right?
1: No, I wasn't. I okay. was taught by some great homeopathic vets. Chris Day and Peter Gregory were my teachers. and but i was I was actually. I was the first homeopathic vet in the u k, maybe anywhere, who then was so fascinated by homeopathy, I became qualified in human homeopathy as
0: well, okay.
1: So I qualified with the Society of Homeopaths, and I took the exams. The same year, which I think was 99 when I took the exams. the Worst summer of my life. I did all my veterinary homeopathic exams, which were vastly harder than my conventional oh, veterinary really? exams. And the only exam I ever failed actually was, was one of my homeopathic ones. I passed it second time around. And then <laughs> three months later, I did my human one. What about it so, was yeah. harder?
0: Well, why would you say it was harder?
1: Oh, crumbs. Well, if you've got a itchy dog or an itchy human, and you are a conventional vet or a conventional doctor, you do your best to find out what it is and find out if there's an allergy, and could you take away that pillow, etc, etc. And rarely you find something, Mm -hmm. and you talk about it for ages, and then you give steroids. Yep. (laughs) And if they don't work, then you give something which is even more immunosuppressive. And there's Mm -hmm. a number of those things which we use in the veterinary world. And you might consider giving antihistamines and some creams that contain Mm -hmm. steroid or antihistamines, or maybe a moisturizer. And that's it. As a homeopath, you have to try to deeply understand, first of all, your patient, it's the dog, and why has this individual, why has their body made this mistake? To... Hay fever. People say hay fever is caused by pollen. I used to think hay fever is caused by pollen. Of course it's not. Homo sapiens has evolved with pollen for 300,000 years. And before that, when we were other species of hominid, we were with pollen all the time hay fever is not caused by pollen hay fever is caused by a totally inappropriate overreaction to a natural substance it's the body making a ridiculous mistake and one of the things about homeopathy i've come to realize there is always a reason why you're ill and one of the main things we have to do as homeopaths is to delve and observe and try to understand what that reason is because if you don't take the reason into account when you're treating, then you're never going to get a cure. And therefore, homeopathy has a philosophy to start with. Conventional medicine, certainly the way I was taught, it never had a philosophy. Mm. And there are, let's make it easier on ourselves, a thousand different remedies that you might treat a dog with niche itchy skin, whereas there's maybe three conventional. Mm. And the other thing about homeopathy is I have this delusion, possibly, that there's whatever the disease almost there's always a remedy that could help and therefore you it's much harder to say i'm really sorry i can't help you you'll have to move on or just live with this because i always think there must be some key in there somewhere to to make this body work right again
0: absolutely i feel the same
1: can i tell you that the first case i had in an animal where i really realized this was going on please Okay, Okay. it was a farm collie who came in with a disease called pemphigus. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: pemphigus is a disease where your own immune system attacks yourself. And in this form of it, there was really horrible ulceration and eruptions around all the orifices, the eyes, the ears, the anus, and around the toenails. And it has internal problems as well. And this dog was called Tess. And Tess was on high doses of steroids, had been to the veterinary school for treatment. All they could give was steroids. And Tess was, in fact, dying, came to see me as a last resort. And the story was homeopathically very simple. Tess was owned by the farmer's son, as happens a lot on farms, particularly then. The son had been to agricultural college. The dad hadn't. They had very different ideas about how to run the farm. Big fallout used to be very common. And actually, it ended up with the son loosing off a shotgun at the father. He aimed over the father's head. The father wasn't hurt, but police were called. And the son was put um, into some sort of care. I can't remember what it was. This was, Mm. what, 20-something years ago, because this is the first time I really saw this in action. And six weeks after that, Tess developed the very first ulcer on her lip. And then, boom, pemphigus diagnosed, Vetsical steroids came to me. Mm. That business about the gun and everything is irrelevant, conventionally vets are now realizing that stress does play a part in disease but when i first started doing homeopathy that wasn't even a concept Mm. whereas homeopathically we have three really simple things going on we have the grief because now the dog has been separated from the owner which was the son Mm. who we loved very much so that's one thing So we want a grief remedy we have a fantastic set of remedies, which I call the ailments from discord remedies, because when people quarrel around you, particularly if you're a kid and your parents are quarreling, that causes disease. Mm. And so we wanted a remedy as well as being a grief remedy was also a remedy that was good for when there's a lot of quarreling going on. Then, of course, we had fear and fright and ailments from fright. And so there's maybe 10 remedies that cover all of those things. So then I looked for one that had eruptions all the way around the mouth and around the orifices. And in fact, that remedy was Nature Mule, which is one of our most basic, simple grief remedies. And I gave Nature Mule to Tess. I gave it one twice a day for three days and things started to improve. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then we weaned off the steroids gradually. Six months later, we had to give another little course of it. And this might sound odd to your listeners, But I had the honor and the pleasure of putting Tess to sleep eight years later when she was about 17 years old, because it was time to go and she was exhausted. And uh, the only way you'd known she'd ever had this incurable disease of pemphigus Mm. was because the hair had never grown round and there was a bit of scarring because this ulceration had been so bad around the ears and around the mouth. And that was a transformational moment for me because I realized that deep, serious disease could come because of emotional upset. Mm. And animals share every single emotion that we have, everyone. Mm. And they are subtly distinguished in animals as they are in us from fear, reprimand, grief, humiliation, shame, Mm. even egoism. I used to say that the only thing that animals didn't have that is the same as us mentally, emotionally, is a pension mentality where they want to build up things for the future. And I said it at a conference <laughs> many years ago, and somebody shouted out from the back,
0: squirrels! Squirrels! Uh, yeah, maybe but, even yeah. my dogs, they sometimes go and bury their bones. So maybe this... In fact,
1: the shocking thing was that they are practically identical to us emotionally and energetically, and they have souls or they have energy bodies exactly mm-hmm. the same as ours. Why? Because homeopathy is an energy medicine. It works on something energetic within you and it works in animals as well as people. And the same remedies can affect and cure the same subtle mental conditions in animals as in humans. And for me, as someone who was going out on farms and worked as a farm vet actually in in Eastern Australia as well,
0: Okay. And
1: it's a pretty rough sort of life sometimes (laughs) and it... Certainly changed my feeling about animals in many ways. And Mm. it brought things like putting animals to sleep, eating animals, all things like this became really big and interesting, which I have Mm. thought about a lot. Putting animals to sleep is one of them. I went to a phenomenal lecture once by an Irish homeopath called Nuala Isling, and she talked about... The process of dying and death in humans. And she had a very, very strong impression, which I agree with, that the soul actually decides what moment it departs the body. And Nula described so, how often everybody's sitting around the parent or whoever it is as they're getting near the end, and then they pop off to have a go to the loo or get a mm. sandwich, they come back and the person's died. Yeah. And it's as if that soul's final choice is when do I leave? Therefore, that then really made me think a lot about putting animals to sleep because I used to do a lot of that. And I am absolutely convinced that is a good thing to do. And having observed some elderly people dying in my close acquaintances recently, the fact we don't do it in humans, I find is ridiculous and disgusting because it needs to happen. But it's really complicated about letting that soul go. And so for a while, I attempted not to put animals to sleep and to allow them to die, supporting them using homeopathy as much mm. as possible. Sometimes that worked really well. And there's Lots some of arsenicum, remedy. I'm guessing. Arsenicum mm. is one of the ones phosphorus, pulsatella, but arsenicum is great. Mm. And for your listeners to understand that, in life, arsenicum has a huge fear of losing control. It has a Real inability to let go because the world for arsenic is as if you've built yourself a lovely house, a lovely structure, and it's falling down right now in front of your eyes. That's the feeling inside. Oh, my God, you've just been made redundant or you've just been burgled or you've just been captured by a load of kidnappers and plonked somewhere. you've got no idea where it is and all your safety, everything you've worked for has disappeared just like that. And therefore, they cling on desperately hard to things. And the dog, when it comes in, will be sitting on the owner's lap, okay, Uh, or sitting right next to the owner. So they cling on and they cling on to life Mm. when it's time to let go. And that's another wonderful thing I've learned through homeopathy, particularly through my periodic table work, where you look at all the elements. But, Mm. But letting go is something that a lot of us are very bad to do. And a friend came walking with me. I went on a very long walk a little while back. And it came with three bits of advice for me because I asked everybody who joined me to come with a bit of advice. And the advice I remember was that we have to learn to gracefully let go when the time is appropriate. And that holding on is another cause of disease and deep disease, clinging on to a relationship that's over, mm. looking back to that great time in the past rather than being present now. A, there is a list of remedies many of which are for deep pathology for people who feel homesickness and nostalgia and that that's another thing that's animals happen a really beautiful quiet place in the country loving owner loving husband husband had a mental breakdown sad things happen he finished up with a cat moved somewhere else became really ill became alcoholic Mm. and died and the cat was in the house with him for those months, and then was in the, with the dead body for several days.
0: Oh, you won't believe then, this. that actually happened on our property, <laughs> the property that we bought. Actually, <laughs> that happened. Yeah, the the dog was in the house with the gentleman who had a stroke. Yeah, wow. I don't know what happened after that because it was several months. But we there were actually scratch marks on the inside of the house. Yeah, my ah. heart my heart just broke when I saw that. I've
1: had this happen a few times as a vet. But what this cat then did is when it, it went back to stay with the wife again and it developed really bad diarrhoea and it used to sit and gaze out of the window. Oh. And I've got a picture of it just sitting there looking out the window for hours. and It never used to do this. And in analysing this case, I thought this cat had been through fear. It had been through hell when something's been through hell you might think of a group of remedies that stromomium is one you might think of they're called the solanaceae what are they called colloquial it's a, it's what's solen- the colloquial Oh, name um, the solen- nightshades the nightshades yeah. there we are they're called the nightshades for yeah. a reason because that's for something that's gone through hell and feels they're going yeah. through hell and one of them is for really bad diarrhea not surprisingly this is the pepper you could imagine it a pepper or a chili pepper gives some people diarrhea Mm. but the particular emotional state of this pepper remedy which is called capsicum is a real strong state of nostalgia Mm. and a human being will be looking back to the good times and here was this cat gazing out the window in a sort of vacant thoughtful way i gave capsicum within two days the cat was completely transformed back again i don't know why i started talking about that but that is again an animal has the ability in the same way as a human to experience nostalgia. And it's sorted out by the same remedy. That's how Mm. similar they Mm. are to us.
0: Jeff, what I find really interesting is when I've, this this is, will be probably about the 130th episode of the podcast by the time this goes out. So I've had the incredible privilege of interviewing so many homeopaths that have one, two, three, even four decades of practice behind them. And it's very interesting speaking to homeopaths like yourself because it's almost inevitable that they end up going down the spiritual route and just asking yeah. these really big existential questions. I think you said you've gone down the route of Buddhism. So many mm-hmm. people go down the route of meditation. I know mm-hmm. Ian Watson's doing his mm-hmm. work with the three principles, just asking these questions because homeopathy challenges you to keep mm-hmm. on expanding your mind and mm-hmm. this way that you are now seeing an animal did you ever as a conventional vet 30 odd years ago think that you would look at an animal this way
1: no not at all it did not cross my mind it was like that's that's an idea on mars and i live on earth and it's so amazing that none of this was even remotely thought about or mentioned or considered even animals having an emotion Six mm. years at Cambridge. I could name the origin and insertion of every tiny muscle on a skeleton of five different species of animal.
0: Wow! But nobody
1: ever said, does an animal have an emotion? But I hope they do now. Oh,
0: well, how lucky you went to that yeah, music where... festival, hey?
1: Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> oh, well, where would I be now if I hadn't come I'm pretty sure I know where I'd be. I'd be a homeopath. <laughs> because one thing that I've also come to believe helped by many great homeopaths but david Lilly, a south african homeopath has been a huge influence on me and i actually now believe and live my life thinking that there is a sort of direction and there's a purpose to it and everything that happens for a reason and as david used to say comes from a point of universal love and that's a pretty difficult one to say to somebody when they've just crashed their car and broken their leg and stuff Mm -hmm. but The more I look into it, the more I believe this is actually the case, even for terrible things. Let's just talk for a second about the idea of the spirituality. The first book I read, which introduced me to that, was called The Power of Now by a guy called Eckhart Tolle, which was a hugely influential and popular book maybe 30 years ago. And I only discovered maybe 15 years after reading it that the principles in it are exactly the same as the principles in a form of homeopathy called sensation homeopathy, where you go deeply inside someone, where you get past the emotions and you get to something else. Something else is your remedy. The something else is a substance or an essence from the universe. We could say from nature Mm. that is inside us. That is not human. Like I say, Oh, that's a -a pulsadilla dog because it's, Clingy. That's a sulfur dog because it's confident and scruffy and hot. Mm. What I'm saying there is that's not a dog. That's not canis. That's sulfur. And it's because our illness, our pathology derives from having something within us which is not human. It's sulfur, it's a plant, or it's an animal, or it's whatever it is, it's a hormone. And our job is to perceive what that thing is, as a homeopath and give it. And therefore, the homeopathic pharmacy is anything from the universe. That's what makes it a bit more complicated than just having three remedies to treat. The thing I've also realized, which has been a massively important thing that I only understood maybe 10, 11 years ago, is it's that pathology within us, that non-human thing. That's also the thing that is our greatest talent. That's what makes us special. That's what makes us amazing. And I've been thinking about the, uh, I went to see the Taj Mahal maybe three or four years ago. I don't know. Mm. Have you ever seen the Taj Mahal? Not in real life, no. Okay. It was the most unexpected thing because I looked at it and I just started crying. It was the most beautiful building I've ever seen. It was Mm. totally beyond my expectations of what it was going to be like. And the history of this building was the fact that there was a prince and he so desperately loved his wife, who bore him many children. Mm-hmm. And then she died, and he devoted I don't know, half the wealth of the kingdom or whatever it was, to building this astonishing building for her. Wow. And in the process of this, his son fell out with him, deposed him, and imprisoned him in a fort where he could see the Taj Mahal <gasps> out his window. He, he never went in it. But the son carried on the or permitted the building to carry on and the mother was buried there and therefore we have a man who is utterly overcome with grief now we all suffer grief in our life and it's appropriate to suffer grief we go through the phases of grief and we get over it now this guy didn't get over it he sacrificed no doubt hundreds of workmen, vast amounts of money that could have been spent on other things to produce this utterly inappropriate tomb for his wife. Mm. And yet from that grief and then the continuing story of his life, which is just one of terrible grief, that was the thing that created the most beautiful building in the world. And As you're so saying
0: that, it. I'm just thinking, do we have a remedy that's made from that yet? Is, is somebody able to get us a little brick that we could make a remedy from? <laughs> it's
1: a far out idea, but I've got an idea what <laughs> remedy the guy suffered from. Yeah, tell me. Okay, you tell me, I'll tell you this. He was full of great grief because his soulmate that he loved so much had died. So he built the most elegant, white, beautiful structure mm-hmm. that you could possibly imagine. On the Probably edge a, of a swan. Well, not. <laughs> Oh, listeners, is our great <laughs> remedy for a deep that is so profound when you lose your soulmate. And the remedy mm. we use in homeopathy for that is swan. And we know that some species of swans are uh, made for life. And mm. that's the reason for it. But his original idea was to have a, another one on the other side of the river. And I just imagine a swan swimming from one to the other. And so someone, so we might take this concept, this theory deeper. And say this guy was suffering from great grief. And from that, he created the most building in the world, beautiful in the world. But you might also say that he was overcome, possessed by this essence, the spirit of swan. And that's why he built the Taj Mahal.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And so it is the things that come inside us, which are our greatest talents. So one of the questions I ask my human patients is, if everything went right in your life, and you were put on earth for a purpose with the talents you've got what would you do and then they the answer they give is also their remedy because same with the hobby one of the things i love asking is what is the thing you love doing more than anything else what is your hobby and that's either going to be the same feeling as their pathology or more often the opposite so once i got the idea that your pathology in other words what Your illness Mm. is also your greatest talent. When I was first told that or introduced to that idea, I thought, "Mm, ridiculous, I don't understand that at all. But one day I had a lady come to see me and she was a really successful printer and she ran a little print shop. She was making money, always going good. And she came to me because she had irritable bowel syndrome and it was difficult to leave the house because she might mess herself and et cetera, Mm. et cetera, et cetera. A common sort of story, really. And... Anyway, her story was what's going on in your life. And she said, I've got a successful business, but actually I want to do more in the world. I want to try and help the world. The world's really suffering and I want to do something more meaningful. So I said, tell me about this. As a homeopath, you just say, tell me about this, tell me more and let them say what they want. And she said, I want to help people and do good. So I was thinking I might actually even become a nurse. And I've thought about trying to go to college and become a doctor, but that would take a long time. And then there's I could do hypnotherapy maybe, or I've even thought about being a homeopath or a counsellor. And I really want to do these things, but I just don't know what to do. And so I'm sitting here not knowing what I'm going to do, not happy in my work, not going anywhere. And I'm just completely confused about it. And I've got these terrible guts. Now, I happen to know exactly the remedy that was required for that lady which is, it's a remedy called lanthanum.
0: Mm, I thought you might say lanthanide. Oh, lanthanides, lanthanides. yeah.
1: We said earlier, by the way, about how names have meaning.
0: Mm. And
1: this group of, there are actually some metals, they're called lanthanides, and lanthanide comes from lantern, it means the bringers of light. This woman wanted to bring light to the world rather than just make money. And Farnum is particularly the one that cannot decide how it's going to do it. It knows it wants to do something special, something good for humanity, but it doesn't know what. And I was certain she needed Lantharnum. So I said to her, ah, okay. And for the first time ever in my life, I said, now, if you'd be put on earth to do something, what's your greatest talent? she said, "Oh, that's easy. I'm fantastic in a committee. Because if there's a problem, I can think of this way to solve it or this way. I've got all these different ideas about how to solve it. And then somebody else in the committee will say, ah, let's try that one. And I suddenly realized that her open mindedness, which means she can see so many different jobs she could do, which was her pathology, not doing anything, diarrhea, Mm -hmm. was also her greatest talent. Because she was the one who could see the alternative ways of looking at things. And she just needed another person whose talent was to go, yes, that's the one. And from that moment, I knew that was a fact. And so that's a question I ask all the time. Mm. And it's so wonderful to have people pour out all the angst and the despair they have. And then you ask them their talent. And there they are. They've got this wonderful talent that's the same. And... So I realized if we didn't have disease, if we weren't possessed or whatever you want to call it, I'm very happy with possessed. And I'll tell you about that to finish off in a second, if you like. If we didn't have disease, the world would have no Taj Mahal. We'd have no Mozart. We'd have no Glastonbury Rock Festival. We'd have nothing. of. (laughs) The problem is, if we didn't have any pathology, we also wouldn't have a nuclear bomb and we wouldn't have inappropriate cruelty
0: Mm.
1: and it's our greatest gift and it's our greatest curse which actually is the same that's one of the fundamental things about homo sapiens us humans is virtually everything we've been given has been a gift and a curse and this moment in history right now is where we either accept our greatest gift or we are cursed and we end it's a very interesting time have I got time to say something about possession?
0: You do. And then you also need to tell us your website links and where people can get you afterwards. But we can do if you're up. Yeah. Just what the best place is for people to get hold of you if they want to get in touch with
1: your work. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, you can men-
0: You can mention it on the podcast or I can just put it in the show notes, whatever's easiest for you. We put it in the show notes anyway, but some people like to also say it on the podcast.
1: Yeah. Okay. I took my website down two years ago because I became completely, no, more than that, maybe it's about that, because yep. I became completely involved in the environmental movement. Wow. Did a huge amount of that. Then when COVID came along, I went back doing loads of homeopathy and actually having had 18 months, I was seeing my existing patients, but I wasn't putting myself out there. Yeah. I, that's, um,
0: well, we don't have to put that on if
1: you don't want. We just won't. I wouldn't mind that. that, but I don't have a website now. I took it down deliberately because I needed to create space.
0: Do you want any of the listeners to get in touch with you necessarily? Do you want us to tell I, people I how they can...
1: Get- I don't mind if they do at all, but I will not be giving them advice on their animals.
0: No, that's oh. and that's the thing. They might like to do that. But do you have a book or a course or anything that you'd like to sell that maybe we can mention that for you? I'm writing
1: a book on the sex sarcodes at the moment, but no, I don't. I'm not, okay. I don't have anything to sell or anything like that. I mean, okay. i work worked for loads of horses, but I'm...
0: Okay, that's all good. Tell us about the for the final part that you were going to say, and then we'll finish off.
1: Yeah. Okay, this was maybe i had been doing homeopathy for 18 months. And I was beginning to understand this different way of looking at things. And I had a, a man bring in his dog, which was a cocker spaniel, and asked me to put it to sleep. And I said, oh, of course, what's the problem? And he said, it was a lovely dog. We've had it for about four months. And then about three weeks ago, it suddenly started getting really vicious. And it's nipped me. It's growling at the kids. It's growling at the wife. And it started attacking bicycles when they go past. Mm -hmm. And I've got two young kids and I just can't have this in the house. Mm -hmm. I totally understand that. And cockers can be very vicious. And actually, there's a syndrome called Cocker Rage Syndrome, where there's a mental aberration and they become really vicious.
0: Wow.
1: But I said to him, "Okay, I totally understand. But I've been doing this homeopathy thing for 18 months. And you can treat behavior with that. Would you like to give that a crack? I could see you tomorrow if you wanted. And the bloke said, well, actually, I'd love that because we love the dog and we don't Aww. understand what's going on. So he came back with the dog the next day, comes into my surgery, shut the door, and I say, let the dog obviously Let it do anything at once. So this little cocker spaniel, let off the lead, and it immediately stood up on its hind legs. And it walked about on its hind legs in my surgery, rocking from side to side.
0: And uh, then it came like a up snake. Me,
1: and it looked at me and then it went, And then it got down again. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, it does that quite a lot. (laughs) And I said, tell me about the aggression. He said, yeah, it's biting. I said, yeah, but how is it biting? Remember, what does it do is the question that you ask. Biting is just a word. How Mm -hmm. it does it. And the guy said, it draws back its head and it strikes just like a snake. Wow. And so we have a very well known snake in homeopathy, which it can be aggressive and we give it to aggressive dogs and aggressive people and it can be very jealous and it's called Lachesis. But the extraordinary thing here was that this dog walked about on its hind legs. And it's the most extraordinary thing in homeopathy, which is the most important thing. The reason it's extraordinary is because it's not dog. This is something totally different to dog. Dogs bite, they don't walk on their hind legs. The extraordinary thing was. And therefore, the remedy I gave was, in fact, not Lachesis, but I gave Cobra, which is called Naja, because that is a snake that stands up. And so I gave Naja, and I gave it in the highest strength I could get, which is a 10M, we call it, very potent form. And the dog was given that, and it went to sleep for a day, and it woke up, and there was no more problem.
0: Wow. And that was
1: that was a really important moment for me because that was when I understood really what was going on. Yeah. Because that wasn't a dog. Dogs don't walk about in our hind legs and strike mm. legs. That was a cobra. And that's when I began to perceive the concept of illness actually being some form of possession by something else. Mm. And therefore I was delighted when I don't know, mm. 10 years later or five years later, Rajan Sankran, a wonderful homeopath, came out with this idea of. Another song within you, which is deriving from outside the human world, which is exactly how I saw illness and homeopathy. And finally, the beautiful tie up of this story is that this dog had been rehomed four times. Yeah. Because it, elderly couple and they'd had to move, and then a divorcing couple, and then something else happened, and then it came to this family. <laughs> and then it suddenly burst into this bad behavior and nausea has a delusion it's been wronged by the world and so i looked into cobra a bit and of course it is the snake which is kept in a box it's allowed crazy. out at certain times and it's yeah. got its mouth sewn shut so it's not dangerous for people to see so it is one of the most abused snakes there is even though it's also revered as a god and so that sensation of having been wronged was probably the thing that brought on this state. But mm. Anyway, that was a transformational moment for me as well, to see disease's possession.
0: Wow, Jeff, that's incredible. I have one very last little question for you. Have you ever used lachesis for snake bites and dogs?
1: Yeah, I have. I had and? a viper bite in a whippet uh, maybe four years ago. We don't mm. have a lot of poisonous snakes here. And the guy arrived at half past ten at night. And I said, You've got two options. I like can use homeopathy, or you can go up to Bristol and try and get some anti-venom. Mm-hmm. And he said, So stayed with me. And I got him to give leadum, which is a homeopathic remedy for bites and such, like mm-hmm. really interesting remedy. Actually, we could talk about that sometime. And lacosis every half hour, alternating them all night. He'd come and disturb me at half ten. I thought, Are you going to sit up all night, mate, and do this? Anyway, he came around to see me the next day. Dog was fine.
0: Oh, amazing. Because obviously here in Australia, we do have a lot yeah. of snakes and snake yeah. bites is something that often happen. And I have read accounts of is being used to treat snake bites. And if you get the anti-venom here, I think it's about $2,000 to give to your dog. And a lot of people can't actually afford that. Yeah. So it's nice to know that there is an alternative for them. That
1: was one, but it's not something I've got big experience in because we don't have the poisonous snakes the way you guys do. Yeah. But alternating laccasses and leadium on that one was... Mm. Well, Amazing. It, was, it was great. It was fine. Totally fine. The guy's a good mate of mine now.
0: Jeff, you are an incredible storyteller. You had me oh, at you. the edge of my seat, hanging on every word that you were saying. And I know that our listeners are going to love what you have shared today. Thank great. you so much for your time. It's been such a privilege and honor to get to speak with you. And I hope we can get you back very oh. soon.
1: Cool. And give my love to Manny.
0: <laughs> I will do. See ya. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.